you received a notification on your phone asking, specifically the iPhone, asking if you want to be tracked across all apps. Well, those privacy features or those privacy pushes from some big tech companies are going to become quite the norm here in the near future. But I'll tell you why this shouldn't matter to marketers and sales teams that are out here doing the right things the right way. Welcome into another episode of Cyberly. I am your host, Blythe Bremley. And on this show, we talk about B2B marketing, the attention economy, and how it all fits into the world of logistics. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking to some badass women in business. And we're also going to be talking about privacy pushes, marketing data, why spammy tactics won't really work for much longer. Nicole Glenn is going to be joining us. She's the owner of Candor Expedite and host of Leading Ladies Coalition. Also, Melanie Patterson. She's the owner of Integrity Transit and and their educational arm of the company. And so we're going to be talking to those women later on in the show. But first, let's talk about Apple moving into the privacy leader of Silicon Valley. And they announced at their annual Worldwide Developers Conference just this week that they are pushing privacy hard. Started just a few years back within iMessage. You might remember that iMessage is is one of the more secure platforms when it comes to messaging on your on your mobile device, whether it's you know social media ads or social media apps or, or other messaging apps. It's really iMessage that is the most secure out of all of them. Well, Apple is essentially going to be doubling down on that security and that privacy focus for their users. And by quoting Morning Brew, Apple is adding. Mail privacy protect. This prevents email senders, think marketers like us, from knowing when a user opens an email in the mail app. It also conceals when user IP addresses, it also conceals the user IP addresses so that they can be linked to other online behaviors. So that is going away in iPhone devices primarily. There's also an app privacy report that you're going to be able to access within the iPhone. And it's going to let people see how frequently apps that have gotten permission access things like your photos, location, or your microphone over the past week. And if that data was shared elsewhere. So iPhone users will be able to log in or not necessarily log in, but use this feature within their phone, go in and check which other apps have been checking out their data on the sly. And I think that this is going to be a really sort of eye-opening experience because I think a lot of people, especially just mobile phone users, are just ignorant to the fact of how much data is being collected on you and shared amongst other platforms, amongst other businesses, um, even, you know, sort of data in general as an industry is the number one industry on the planet. It overtook oil, I would say, probably about five, 10 years ago as the number one industry as far as revenue is concerned. And so just keeping that in mind, the next thing that Apple announced is that they're going to have an iCloud private relay, which is basically a VPN, a virtual private network that Apple says will make users untraceable while they browse Safari. And so to, to bring it back to the, I guess the privacy focus of this is that apps like Facebook, which is in a very public battle, if you haven't been paying attention, it's been, they're taking out newspaper ads, um, holding press conferences, releasing news on, on you know, Facebook themselves. And Mark Zuckerberg is releasing his own sort of a messaging and, and I guess fear mongering is a good way to put it against Apple users to let them know that Apple is, is basically going to be harming small businesses by preventing users from accessing that data so they can advertise better. When in reality, Facebook, the platform, makes an overwhelming majority of their money off of advertising, and they make that that 
advertising dollar based off of how you interact off of Facebook. And so that way they can market better to you on Facebook because of the behavior and because of how you're interacting with other websites, other apps that are on your phone. And so by limiting that app tracking that Apple is doing, they are basically just pissed off Facebook and really threatened the way that they do business and, and how long they can actually stay in business because of it. And so I don't know that it's going to actually, these decisions are going to cause Facebook to go out of business because Android, the, the market share for even Windows phones across the globe is still very large and still very um, much going to be allowing these types of, of, of activities that Facebook likes to have. But Apple is saying no to all of that. They want to double down on privacy. And another big feature that came out of this week's conference is that they had another big announcement speaking to the power of Zoom because Apple wants a piece of that business market share. And they're going to be allowing the following FaceTime updates. So video calls are getting sharing capabilities and integrations with social media and CRISPR audio. You're also going to be allowed to schedule a FaceTime and that will become available probably sometime in the fall. Also, Android users will now be able to join a FaceTime. And so that's going to be a little funny to see if, you know, in the text message group chats that you have going on, you can clearly tell who's the Android user and who is not. So I wonder if they're going to use a lot of those similar plays that they use in iMessage that they're going to carry on over into the FaceTime, sort of shaming Android users with sort of that green background versus the blue background, which is what most iPhone people like to have. Now, these Apple updates will likely be coming in the fall. Well, another te big tech giant, Google, has said for a while that they're also ditching the third-party cookie by 2022. And that third-party cookie, it works essentially like Facebook's, where it tracks your activity outside of the Google platforms. And so if you're on a different browser, if you're on a different website, Google was able to pull in all of that tracking data, especially through their ad tech vendors and, and the people who, who use that technology, they were able to pull in all of that data to create anonymous, quote unquote, anonymous user profiles to better serve you ads, their Google advertising. And so this is mostly bad news, I would say for ad tech vendors, and then also for marketing and sales teams that are used to doing things in a spammy way. So they are probably going to be struggling a lot with trying to serve programmatic ad advertising to you across the web. But what what should marketers be thinking about and how should this affect your marketing plan moving forward? And the short answer to that is that if you're doing things the right way and you're not doing spammy tactics, then you should be good. Now, what are spammy tactics? Let, let's run through a few of them. I would say a spammy tactic is buying leads or sourcing emails from folks who have zero interest in buying from you or have shown no interest in hearing from you. Think of uh, you know things like going to buying a lead list, uh, you know, going to a website in order to scour for someone's email so you can do a cold outreach to them. That is technically a spammy outreach. And, and if you're doing that, you know, to each their own, uh, that is, is, is something that I personally don't do. And I, I don't encourage other marketers to do it. But I would say that that's one of the spammy tactics that's probably going to affect you in your marketing. Uh, not buying lead lists. Don't do that. Creating deep connections with your customers and through conversations is the route that I prefer to take. So developing those deep relationships 
with your buyers, with your potential buyers and leads that are that are out there on social media, that is where I put the overwhelming majority of my marketing efforts because I don't want to reach out to somebody that's never heard of me because then I'm also competing with people that are doing the same thing and I'm grouped into the same bucket as the, the people who sort of uh, prioritize the spammy tactics. I don't want to do that. I don't want to give off a bad vibe to my potential customer or my potential lead. And so what I like to do is I like to build the relationships, those deep connections through my distribution channels like LinkedIn, like Twitter, um, any other kind of social media network and drive that traffic and awareness to my brand. And then that way that user, whenever they are ready to buy, then they will likely come to my website first or they'll Google my name and then they'll come to the website and convert that way because they're already familiar with my brand. And so that was, if you're still doing things in a non-spammy way, all of these privacy pushes, you don't necessarily have to worry about because if you're building on owned properties, such as your website, you're collecting emails, and also for the ambitious, if you're building a podcast, those are the only three platforms on the internet that you will ever own. And so as long as you're building on those platforms and then using distribution channels like LinkedIn, like Twitter, like uh, even TikTok to an extent, and all of these other social media platforms, then you won't be held liable or you won't be put in a vulnerable situation whenever Facebook decides to shut something off, whenever uh, Google decides to shut something off, or whenever you know a, a device company like Apple decides that they're going to double down on privacy. Then you're not reliant on these other big tech giants. You are just reliant on your own platforms, and then you can just go as as far as your distribution platforms are concerned, you can just go, how, you know, wh whichever way and make adjustments based on how those distribution platforms do their updates. So if you are marketing from a, a good ethical place, then you don't necessarily have to worry about a lot of these different privacy concerns that, that Apple is pushing. And you will lose some data, especially when it comes to, you know, advertising online and, and, uh, uh, trying to retarget those advertising. That is where you'll lose a little bit of data, but as long as you're doing things the right way, then you're still creating that awareness and you're just not gonna be able to track whether that person visited four other different websites and then they came back to convert on yours. You'll still see that conversion point. And similarly with email, Apple is also adding in that privacy blocker for tracking pixels if someone, if a user opens up an email, which makes the CTA within the email clicking on a specific link, it's going to be that much more important. So if you're writing your emails in a non-spammy way and you're reaching out to people who have shown genuine interest in your brand, then all it takes is that you're going to be optimizing your copy in order to get the user to take that next step. And that is to click a link within the email that they then arrive on your website. And so that's one less thing that you have to worry about as far as you know tracking opens and tracking IP addresses. I mean, what do we really want to do with an IP address anyways? That, that's not something that's absolutely crucial in your marketing. You want to focus on building those deeper connections with people because that's when that's where the real magic is going to happen. Now, speaking of which, let's speaking of ambitious show creators, because we actually have our next guest that's going to be coming on. Let's go ahead and bring in Nicole Glenn. She is the owner of Candor Expedite and the founder of the Ladies Leadership Coalition. She's really one of the great role models within this industry. And while we're waiting for her to join the show, let's go ahead and dive into another topic. We're going to bring her on in just a few seconds. But first, let's talk about what the female Gen Z consumer wants. And they're a highly sought after 
sort of division or, or yeah, a division of a demographic. So Gen Z women, which is, this is an incredible stat that I ran across because they're talking about the, the data that influences what influences their purchasing decisions. So generational Z women in the top place, no surprise, the recommendation from family and friends. Word of mouth is king. We all know that in all of our marketing. 59% of Gen Z women said that the recommendation from family and friends influenced them to buy. The next one on the list, and I'm sure it's going to be surprising to a lot of you folks, is TikTok videos. That came in at 39%. 39% of Gen Z women are making buying decisions based off of TikTok videos. And if you've seen any of those, I know the ones that particularly work on me, I'm not Gen Z, but what the ones who work on me are the Amazon product reviews. If they show off an Amazon product that they bought and that they're testing it out in their own, you know, home kitchen or or any other kind of area of their house, even like home and gardening, I know was a big one. So these types of, of, of purchasing decisions are being made through TikTok because of TikTok. So 39%, I thought that that was fascinating. Also, the next one on the list is in-store displays at 38%. So 38% of, of female Gen Z buyers are influenced by in-store displays. And then next on that list is TV ads at 31%. And there's also, just to point out, a fine point on that, television ads rank much higher for influencing purchasing decisions than influencer posts on Facebook or Instagram. That's television ads. And so that's a really important takeaway that television ads, eh, sort of with a lot of, of marketers, you think of from the perspective of that's really outdated, especially when it comes to Gen Z, but this one is really proving that that's fourth on the list above Facebook and Instagram. This was a study done by IRI and it pulled a thousand women in Gen Z that's late teens and twenties. So in case you're worried or in case you're curious about the, how the rest of it spells out, remember this is what influences their buying decisions. Instagram ads did come in next at 23%. Influencer posts on Instagram came in at 22%. And then going down the list, store ads and flyers at 21%, which I thought was really curious because store ads or flyers, I, I don't know when I pick up a store ad or a flyer and, and it, I make a buying decision because of it. I have heard from other marketers, and this is anecdotal evidence, of course, but I have heard from other marketers that it, sending direct mail campaigns is still a big winner. So keep that one in mind, followed by fly, uh, store ads and flyers. Facebook ads was next at 19%, web banner ads at 19%, print and magazines at 14%, radio ads at 6%, and outdoor billboards at 4%. The big story here, of course, is how suddenly high TikTok got here. It's the number one influencing factor, and digital marketers have direct control over that platform. And that's quoting Digital Marketing Today, which is one of the best newsletters as far as mar marketers are concerned that you, I would highly, highly recommend signing up. I know you get a weekly email that's for free. They have a, do have a paid option, I think for 50 bucks for the year that you can get access to their daily newsletters. They are filled, packed with value. And despite everything being said, that's so digital in their lives. Brick and mortar retail, which I thought was really fascinating. Brick and mortar retail shopping is preferred by more than half of those thousand women that were polled age 17 to 23. And it speaks to the power of the in-store buying experience. So I would expect to see those changes coming in the future, especially if in-store ads and things like that are already performing well and influencing decisions, then that could be a situation where if a store takes the approach of, 
going less of the huge super center shopping center like the Walmarts of the world and going more into an intimate buying environment where it's a real experience versus just a store that's sort of built to just have you come in and buy as much stuff as possible and leave. Whereas you want to hang out in this store that you, you can see it also with a couple of different grocery store models that are out there that have live bands and they serve alcohol and they make the grocery shopping experience top notch versus a traditional grocery store where it's just, they want you in and they want you out. So it's just some really cool marketing studies that have come out just this week that really shine a lot on or shine a light on how people are buying. And shifting gears a little bit, we got Nicole ready to go. And I want to go ahead and bring her on. She's owner of Candor Expedite and founder of Ladies Leadership Coalition. Welcome in, Nicole. Hi. We're happy to have you. And now I, I was I was I was creeping on your LinkedIn yesterday, and I knew you've been in trucking for a while, but I didn't know that you've been in trucking since you were 18 years old. How yeah. what baby? When did that <laughs> seriously a baby? Because yeah. I think a lot yeah. of us sort of jive in you know through family or or you know an educational role you you got into the industry at 18 did you know that early on that this was going to be an industry that you were going to stick with oh no I worked at a position I think it was I think it was probably three years and I decided that I was going to take a break that did not happen I was immediately my next job was just plucking me out from one trans job to the other so, I mean, it, it just became a thing of what I loved, you know, the chaos. You get used to that. I think when we get uh, in the mindset of being busy all day, every day, I think anything else would be boring. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I come from a serving background, so I, I definitely empathize with that. Now, working with a transportation company, you eventually decided to open up your own company, Candor Expedite. What was sort of that light bulb moment that led you to say that I want to start my own company? Well, it was really, it was a buildup, you know, there was a lot of things that I had to do. I don't think it was just this instant moment where I said, yes, today, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> um, I ended up running a company for someone else and falling in love with that concept. And so I went and worked for another uh, company again and was asked to build another brokerage. And so I started to, and then I'm like, why, why am I doing this for someone else? <laughs> and so then I thought it was time to take that leap and did it like hesitantly. It wasn't one of those where I'm like, yeah, let's go. It was like, oh, I'm doing this. And I just it. like tiptoeing slowly in before you, you dive fully in. Now, now you've been yep. in business for a while and, and obviously 2020 was a challenging year for a lot of different industries, a lot of different companies. How did your company fare during 2020? Was there any specific area that you really won or a, a specific area that you, that you thought you would do better at? Well, it was really the PPE stuff took over. So we started doing a lot of hand sanitizer, um, a lot of breathing machines that were going into hospitals, a lot of equipment to service the essential worker. And that really took over everything we were doing. Because we do a lot of trade show, a lot of specialty events. And so all of that work went away. All of our automotive stuff had stopped. Everything kind of just, except those specialty uh, needs for the PPE stuff and, and the medical field. And that just really took off there um, and, and let us keep going to where, where we were currently status quo. So we didn't have a downturn and we didn't have an uptick right away. Uh, but then some of our other clients, like the automotive side started coming back on hmm. and then it just started booming after that. So I don't think we really had a bad experience with COVID at all, um, except that it just brought us all out of the 
work in the office every day mindset. That was, Hmm. that was a change. But since we were already, we already had uh, opened another location, it allowed us to just utilize the technology that we had permanently. So we had to do it all day, every day, instead of just nights and weekends. So we were lucky. We were very lucky. And so has those, I guess the percentage of, of those different commodities, have those sort of remained largely the same for most of this year too? Or do you find that maybe hotels are starting to pick up a little bit more, the event space are starting to pick up more versus like the PPE type materials? Yeah, the PPE really did go away for us. I mean, hmm. there's really not a need for masks like they were. I mean, we were doing a ton of masks. And so all of that has transitioned out, obviously, and it's just gone back to our, our regular commodities and obviously new customers with capacity being so tight. Um, they're, they're doing some different things with their transportation and identifying opportunities in, this, in their supply chain to stop utilizing tractor trailer and put things on straight truck. So that's the one thing that I think a lot of our new clients were not doing that they're starting to really look at is instead of shipping one to five skids in a, in a trailer, they used to say, Hey, you know, Hey, normal carrier or broker, please just take this. Um, there there's other options. And so that's opened the floodgates for a lot of new opportunities for our customers. Mm-hmm. That's amazing to hear that. And it's good to know that, that your business is, was able to, to pivot pretty quickly. And then it, you know, that pivot didn't ultimately damage your brand in the long run. Now, I I first heard about you and your company really on LinkedIn. And I think that that's sort of a shining example of how networking can happen on social media, especially within the logistics community and especially on LinkedIn. Do you have, was it a similar experience for you on LinkedIn? And do you have sort of a, a moment on social media that you said, wow, there's really some power in these platforms? There definitely. So during COVID, when we were all locked down, um, I started utilizing my extra time, you know, of normal, the normal pop-ins and people just stopping in my office. It, it allowed a lot more time for me to get on the social media networks and start building up that network and, and hosting conversations. And that's where it was different than it had been for me before, um, starting to actually be a little bit more vulnerable in the, the ownership spot. Um, asking people where I or telling people where I was, what I was trying to accomplish. And so I established some great mentors uh, during this time that was that little push I needed, you know, the the people that were like, hey, go hire a bunch of people. Hey, go try this. And I listened uh, within reason on some things and, and started applying. So it was an amazing year for me with that. I mean, I think that's a huge game changer. Uh, for me and our company going forward. Now, from sitting back over here, you're the type of woman that just exudes confidence and grace, but you're also, just as to to what you just said, you've been more vulnerable and, and you openly talk about, you know, sort of mental health and the importance of that. How do you sort of balance having, you know, sort of the, the, the confidence in front of other people, but then also the the challenging nature that, that comes with, you know, the, the sort of mental, I, I, I guess, I'm trying to say is the, the the mental hardships that we sort of run through whenever you're going through COVID and you're going through family challenges. How do you sort of balance the mental health aspect with having, you know, such a strong sort of confidence and grace that I see uh, constantly? Well, thank you. That's like so nice of you to say. Um, it's really that vulnerable piece. So there are things that I'm obviously very confident on and that's running my business, doing the day-to-day work, lead, you know, leading my clients, leading my team. 
but you know, I'm, I'm in this constant stage of learning. And I think that's what a lot of business owners and management leaders need to understand and say to their people. Um, I'm only, I only know what I know. And so I'm willing to try different things. And that opens up a whole different uh, set of discussions with your team, your, your executives, your leaders, because they know that you're willing to listen. Um, you're never going to be fearless. I mean, I'm sure there are some people out there that are fearless and just dive in and take a risk. But I like to be a little bit calculated and have a strategic concept behind what we're doing now. And so with that and, and saying, you know, this is what I know, this is what we're going to try, or this is what I'm hearing, or this is what I'm learning, and we're going to see how this works and apply this, I want your feedback. And I think from having that competence, vulnerable, wow, I can't say the word, Blythe, you can maybe help me I, I, I just messed it up too. Don't worry. I know. Vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. That vulnerable, uh, vulnerability. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, I think having that just mix, people know that they're able to to talk to you and I'm able to talk to them and it's a conversation and everyone has their best interest in, in moving things forward. So when you have a team that, you know, has that mindset and you also give them hopefully that balance to talk to you and have that mental health sta state, you know, flowing in the day to day, it just creates a really good soup for everybody, you know, and everyone's gelling in that soup. Um, and so I, I love that idea. And I think this is from past leaders that I've had, um, they would tell me things. So I, I knew that starting a company and doing all of this could be a very lonely venture. And at times it is, but I'm really fortunate to have good people to talk to like Christy Knitchell. She's awesome. Um, and working with other business leaders that are going through the same, same things, or they did. And they're like, aha, I've already had that. And here's how I combat that, or here's how I approach that. So it's good just being well-rounded with people. I love that because it's it's one of those, uh, I guess, positions that you, you always see the wins on social media. You never necessarily see people being vulnerable and sharing the losses that that has been shifting. I think 2020 what was a, a, a big moment for a lot of people to shift that mindset. I'm, I'm not okay. And it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to talk about those different challenges. And I'm sure that it helps with empathy with your coworkers and, and knowing that, Hey, you know, she's, you know, so-and-so is going through a rough time right now. Um, they're still going to do their work, but at the same time, like maybe don't be so hard on them. Give them a couple days of a breather and then you can come back around. Now that that's obviously resonating, I think, with a lot of your your different employees because you were one of three women nominated for Women in Trucking's Distinguished Women in Logistics Award. First of all, give us a rundown of what the award is about, and then also tell us a little bit about that moment of when you found out that you were a finalist for it. Well, finding out that I was a finalist was amazing. It was even before that when um, there's a lady. Her her name's Taylor. She works for me, Taylor Lindsay. And she had found this award uh, or nomination capability and she went out to people and asked for letters. And uh, after she applied, she sent me the letters of who had written, you know, these different, different things about me. And that was the most moving thing that I think I've ever had happen to me. Oh, where wow. It's people that, that is so nice. I know either that I'm leading or people that I've mentored or people that I just have great relationships with. Um, she, you know, she gathered all of this and brought it to me. And so you don't realize, you know, the, 
the impact that you have on people sometimes. And I think mm-hmm. that was a moment that really caught me off guard and uh, made me truly happy. But then when I actually was announced um, as, as a finalist, I couldn't believe it because there's so many awesome women in this space. There's so many women that are giving all, whether that's leadership, ownership. And so to be acknowledged was like, oh, holy cow. I, I can't believe it. It was it was awesome. So then you saw the picture that you just showed of when it arrived. And it was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I actually have this award sitting here. This is crazy. And what can we teach other people to do, women mm. to do? And what can we all do together? It just made my mind immediately go with our LLC uh, concept of, can we inspire other women to want to do these things? And, and some women who are humbled that don't even realize it's out there, can we get to the people who can nominate these individuals mm-hmm. and shine light on them? Because it's just a really cool thing uh, to have happen. I, I, I love that. That What a great story. And what a great employee with Taylor. She's a rock star mm-hmm. for, for even doing that. that. That's amazing. We need more Taylors in the world. And, and so that, that leads me actually to my next question, because as if you don't have enough on your plate, you decided to take on the challenge of starting a new show and group the Ladies Leadership Coalition. I have a pretty good idea of, of why this was started and, and what you hope to achieve. But for the folks who may not know about this show, tell us a little bit about it. Well, this show is really designed to help other women in business. Um, even though each one of these individuals is in the transportation space, we all come from different backgrounds. We have all are in different spots in our careers and trying to accomplish different things. But yet, you see a lot of similarities, you know, you hear a lot of the same uh, journeys that we've all gone on and learning from each other. You know, I, I've already, I talk about Christy Knitchell all the time. Um, she's someone who's just, you know, walked me through different concepts. And, and so we would have these like little mini phone call uh, mentoring sessions. And one day I said to her, I'm like, we need to put this out there. We need to put this to women uh, who are trying to take these next steps in their careers or their businesses and share this and get an understanding of what other women need. Because like I said, we're all in different spots in our journey. So we're trying to just shine light on different topics and hopefully it resonates with with different people who are in different stages to propel them into their career. So we're only on our, I think we're having our fourth show um, at the end of this month, we've been doing some mini-sodes too. We have another one coming out on the uh, 17th. Um, but what we're, we're trying to do again is just help other women and, and give back. And what we talked about earlier, even in this segment, Blythe, was this past year on, on what I've been able to learn in such a short period of time from just outstanding people. It's like, what could we do if um, we could we could get that out there to just so many people? And there's really no other platform of women in logistics out there right now or owners. You know, I don't know if I've seen, I know there's a lot of shows that happen without my knowledge, but I haven't seen one that's all business owners uh, coming together, trying to help others. So it's female Very and true. business owners. Yeah. Very true. And and I know that especially, you know, we just touched on like mental health and and other topics within the industry that don't get talked about enough. What are some of those taboo topics that you think should be talked about more? And do you have plans to talk about those on you know future shows at, for LLC? Yeah, we definitely do. So even what you had just said with the failures, you know, we even talked mm-hmm. about that in one of our shows already. It's talking about the hardships. It's talking about what do I do here? And 
like we had said, social media is designed to be all the wins and the trophies, but there's so much more to running companies or having a career or even having a personal life that is beyond all of these wonderful picture moments that we want to uncover and, and mm-hmm. hear people's stories and let other people know that if they're going through something similar, they're not alone. There's answers, there's resources. And so I don't know what all of those topics are going to be yet because we're really trying to get our audience to tell us more about what they want to hear. You know, what questions do they have? Where are they at in their careers that, you know, this group of women can really help them um, with an impact on on where they stand today and where they can go in the future? Love it highly encourage not just because I'm I'm one of the panelists too but highly encourage any woman out there and just people in general to digest this show because it's really a lot of impactful insightful stuff that you're going to hear from it now in addition to to running a business and running a show you're also you call yourself a marketing fanatic what are some of areas of, of marketing that you love and then what are some areas that you want to be better at well I love the image part of stuff so I love creating image. I built a, a website for a past customer. I built our website. We're, we're relaunching another website that I am not building, but um, I just get lost in the idea of putting putting your fingerprints all over who you are. I feel like your your company and your brand should really scream what you're what you're doing internally and have that as an extroverted concept of of getting out to people to the masses of of who you are in this you know, one or two page website. Um, but then also our, our social media and our, uh, posts that we're putting out there, you know, I I love all of those things, but the content side of things, you know, the, the writing side, I guess you could say is where I'd really like to learn and dive in further into even just some imaging. You know, I'm, uh, one of my vision on my vision board this year is to sign up for some, some marketing classes. And now that I live in Dallas and, things are opening back up. I'm sure that there's some great schools that I could attend to, to just get some other knowledge. You know, I've never worked at a marketing firm. Um, it was my minor in college, but I feel like there's still so much to learn and video and commercials. And I mean, I can keep going on, but I get lost in it. I could like, right. if I'm designing something, I can get lost in it and sit there for two hours and think it's been 10 minutes. I just love right. it. <laughs> it's yeah. one of those things that it- traps you and it, and it holds on tight to you and you can't really ever escape it. I think it's much like logistics too, where you, you're just, you're trapped in the, there's no escaping. You might think you can leave for a little bit, but you're all, you'll always be back. Well, you know what I love about it, Blythe though, is like we're in logistics. So we're only as good as our last shipment, right? So mm. you can move a thousand shipments for a client, something goes wrong and you could potentially lose that client. So you deliver and you move on to the next and you really have no finished body of work to look at and step back and go, look, I made that. And so the marketing side of things, even if it's a past website or it's a past blog, you know, whatever it is in the, it's still something that just sits there and you made it and it's a finished product. So it's, it's my dorky, you know, look what I did. <laughs> I, I love it because I still have websites that I haven't published to in years, but I am not getting rid of them because that's something that I did during a, a certain time of my life. And I want to keep it as a, as a memento, a digital memento, I guess you could say. Right. Yeah. All right, Nicole, we only got a couple minutes left. What do you have planned for the rest of this year and where can people follow more of your work? Ooh, this year we are really diving into the strategy plan of what we want to do. So there's so many opportunities out in the logistics side of things right now. It's 
capacity is crazy. E-commerce is blowing up. Um, so we're really trying to uh, dive into finishing up our application that we built. So if you ask me, I will tell you a thousand different things that I'd like to finish <laughs> by the end of this year. Um, but it's it's really just developing that strategy of what's next. So hmm. we got our uh, authority to become an asset-based company. So that officially came through and now it's the tying everything up and putting the assets under it. So I'm excited for the rest of this year to see what, how, how candor finishes. Absolutely. And where can folks follow along that, that candor journey and your journey as well? Well, we are all over LinkedIn as uh, we talked about on our company page. Um, Our website is just candorexp.com or people can just send messages and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm very, very active and always welcoming great connections. Perfect. Well, well, thank you so much, Nicole. And and hopefully folks will tune in to the next episode of the Ladies Leadership Coalition. You can go on LinkedIn and register for that. And we'll also link to it in the show notes so folks can have that that easy access. Thank you again, Nicole. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, from one badass businesswoman to the next, let's go ahead and bring on Melanie Patterson. And I'm just going to go ahead and read off just some of her resume here because it's really, really impressive. She's got a master's in science. She's worked as an ER trauma nurse for seven years. She's the owner of Pro Realty Management. She's the CEO of Integrity Transit Co. She's the owner of Team Integrity Knowledge Center. She's the owner of Exquisite Cuts. And she's also a mentor for leading ladies of logistics. Uh, Melanie, I mean, as the, the list clearly states, you are a self-proclaimed wow. serial entrepreneur. So my first question is, when did you first know you wanted to be a business owner? Absolutely. So it all started. Let's go a little bit. And thank you for having me on your platform. This is amazing. I am just so excited to be here with you guys. Thank oh, you thank so you. much. <laughs> Absolutely. So it all really began when I was about eight years old and a friend of mine, we were selling crocheted uh, bracelets. And I found it so rewarding uh, that I would be able to get a return on something that I just loved, right? And so I caught the bug early on. But also something that I don't share too, too often is that my father is to date a successful entrepreneur. So I got a little bit of an inside of what entrepreneurship looks like. My first major was business administration and uh, God said he had other plans for me. Um, So that's when I went into nursing. But when I really, really understood uh, that entrepreneurship was for me, when I was able to really develop the systems and process needed to somewhat streamline and autopilot Exquisite Cuts Barbershop. And so to date, I've owned that company for five years. we're doing, we're doing amazing things for the community. And um, it's just really, really rewarding. And just one of the um, companies that I have that that is just rewarding at the end of the day. Truly, truly so rewarding. How, how that, that, that sort of, I, 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 didn't, uh, I didn't send you this question prior, but this is one of those questions that how do you automate or I guess uh, find out the processes of owning a, a, a barbershop? I, is it similarly to other businesses or is it, uh, ha, ha, tell me a little bit about that process. 
Great question. Great question. So um, I think it's essential for people before entering into a business, whatever that may be, is to develop the foundational knowledge of that industry. And so that's what I did. I started to study, started to do the research. And not only with that, I linked up with a mentor, same concept that I did with um, Integrity Transit Co. and really got the back office operations of uh, what it is to own a grooming salon. And then I also shadowed one of the uh, local salons here um, in Chicago uh, that are doing very, very well in business. And I just kind of, as you, as I say, put my own sauce on it after that and started to develop systems and process that I saw that worked for us as a team. Hmm. So I like that. So, so you start with the education first and then you move into the actual like business operations and putting your own spin on things or, or sauce as you call it. So, so between, I was checking out your websites yesterday and it's clear like you, you're, you're between your websites, your social media, your landing pages, it's clear you know exactly what you're doing when it comes to, to marketing. Was, was digital marketing always, I guess, a, the, the driving focus for you or did the business operation sort of come first and the marketing then evolved from there? So to be transparent, I really was never focused on the marketing side of it from the, from the beginning. As I'm nine years um, today, the serial entrepreneur, I really focused on the business, really understanding the business and getting um, the systems and process within our home, as I call it, situated before we do all of this marketing and branding. But as we know to date, marketing and branding is huge, right? It really, really ties into the success of your um, of your business. It really um, helps with my ability to network. And so I quickly uh, started to learn what is what's to this whole marketing and branding uh, uh, component of business. And uh, I outsourced and, and got a, a great team uh, to put together what you what you see there. Yeah, it, it's amazing. I was really impressed, and I was I was looking at your shop that just that the, the the overall value that you provide to even new you know people coming into the industry as far as like educational materials is just so not only is it valuable from like an informational standpoint but it looks good too and so that's what I was really I was like dang she's really got it all put together so it made me really curious as if you and it makes a lot of sense that you would focus on the business side the operationals and the, and, and the sales side of things first before you factor in the marketing and now it's just like two superpowers combined and, and it almost feels yeah. like it, it's unstoppable at this point but absolutely going back going back to uh your your, your transportation company integrity transit when did you decide that you wanted to first get into trucking yeah so um People know that um, my my partner it, my partner is my husband, uh, my best friend, my husband, my business partner, and so forth. A, a lot of people know that we are serial entrepreneurs, and his brother-in-law's father was uh, going into retirement from freight transportation, and he had been talking to us for quite some time, along with another friend of his, um, suggesting, hey, this is a great industry to look into. But I'm like, you know what? My plate is full at that time. I was still practicing medicine. I was still at the bedside, working in corporate, working my nine to five, juggling the businesses, mom, wife, all of those things. I said, you know what? Uh, not right now. Long story short, moving forward, we acquired a, a property that was a little bit bigger of a bite than we uh, assumed. And so we said, you know what? This real estate thing is, is 
a little, it's a lot risky, not a little risky, but a lot risky. Let's go ahead and uh, downsize our portfolio and take that investment and look into the transportation industry. I wanted something that was essential, being that I am a, a, a essential worker. I still consider myself an essential worker today. I wanted an industry that was essential, something um, that is it's basically global. It's always going to be needed. It's, it's always, one of the, people are always going to need stuff shift. Yep. Absolutely. And so then that's when we started to do uh, develop our research about two and a half uh, years ago. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's it. Yeah. And, and that's amazing because you've been in business for a couple of years, but you also have, you're, you're, you're putting everything you've learned into, uh, from, from what I understand, your, your educational center. So, so you have the, the integrity now has the knowledge center. Why was it important for you to start creating that educational content in order to get more folks into the industry? Absolutely. So I come from a past of academia, as you just previously discussed, I have a master's degree. Um, and I, you know, it's amazing when you hear someone else speak of you in those, you know, I feel like I have so much work to do, but you know, the way you, you put it, I said, wow, I, I am somewhat accomplished. Um, but, you are. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm, I come from academia, right? And so that's, that's really, uh, my level of understanding, professionalism, punctuality, academia, so forth and so on. Um, and I learned and I developed the team, the culture, the systems and process. I'm really hands-on with daily operations and running the back office. And so I said, you know what? Let me look at some statistics. And the reason why people go out of business after the first year of obtaining their authority is really not understanding what it is to run a company, not understanding what it is to be a fleet owner, what that looks like, how to start to develop your process and systems, and how to take advantage of outsourcing and the amazing uh, digital uh, uh, softwares that are out there for you to utilize. And so I said, let me start to uh, document what I'm doing on a daily basis. And so my mentor was like, you know what, that is an amazing, amazing idea. And so that's what I did. Of course, naturally, people are like, hey, you know what, I see that you are successful in this industry. How do you do it? And then that's when we started to put together Team Integrity Knowledge Center really providing people. It's so Team Integrity Knowledge Center is a digital platform to really help people not only enter into entrepreneurship, enter into trucking, but how to sustain within the industry. Um, and so we really provide them all of the resources and tools that you can use on a daily basis when it comes to um, obtaining your authority, understanding your break-even point, under um, understanding the importance importance of compliance, having those um, processes and systems in place to help to streamline your recruiting, your onboarding and hiring process. Um, also taking care of your back office. Um, as we know, right, logistics is a, a high return um, industry. And so we really need to be capturing those numbers accurately. And so um, along with a lot of other resources, forms and templates that I use within my company, um, that's what we offer on Team Integrity Knowledge Center. And it has been amazing. I love that because it, in, in some of your messaging, you're, you're, it's geared towards what you call the trucking preneur, if I'm saying that right, the entrepreneur. Yes, trucking preneur. <laughs> trucking preneur. What are some tools that, that a trucking preneur needs as they, they jump into sort of this, not sort of, it's a behemoth of an industry. What, what tools do they need 
Um, do you provide a lot of those on your website? I would imagine. Are there any intangibles that they got to learn before they even think about stepping into the industry? Yeah. So let's talk about the top five that I tell my students are essential for you to even um, look at prior to even entering into transportation. As you said, this is a, a, a empire, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so let's, uh, number one, let's really start to develop the knowledge in regard to what it is to be a fleet owner, what transportation looks like for you. Um, number two, really um, understanding how you're going to enter into the industry, but, but not only enter into the industry, how are you going to set yourself apart? And then number three is developing a sound mentor, someone who is at the place where you aspire to be. Getting a mentor, having that resource, it is priceless. And then um, number four is really putting it all out on the table. And um, as I say, to thy own self be true. Let's take a look at your capital. Let's take a look at your savings account. Let's take a look at what that credit score looks like. As we know, we need all of those um, components to truly, truly be able to enter in and scale your business. And then um, number five is really developing a business plan. And so mm -hmm. I personally develop a truckpreneur uh, blueprint specific business plan. Um, and we have that available on our platform for free. It's for free. Um, and, and it's essential for you guys to have those top five things prior to even entering into the industry. I love that. And, and and we'll link to to all of your websites in all. I mean, we, we can only link to so we only have a character limit. So we can't link to all of your, you know, seven sure, or sure. Ten, 700 different websites. I'm kidding. Uh, but we'll link to those in the show notes for anyone who wants to to check those out, because it, it's really a lot of valuable insight. And you'd be crazy not to, to jump on we that. Really, we gave it our all. We really did. And we didn't hold back anything um, whatsoever. We're really giving you from A to Z on, um, once again, not only how to enter into the industry, but how to sustain, how to develop your network um, and things of that nature. And so, yes, definitely. Tell us a little bit about what it takes to sustain, because it, we, we kind of have the basics of you've laid out the basics of what they need to get into the industry. But what about sustaining the industry? Do you have any tips for them? Sure, absolutely. Um, so we need to decide um, where your company will be housed and what lane will you run in that particular region. Right. So it's essential for you to understand what is the commodity within that region. And so that's that's just to start with um, on how to really sustain because that in turn will really help your, your revenue. Um, understanding the importance of networking. Your network is your net worth. Don't be afraid to um, shake hands. I know with COVID, we weren't really able to shake hands, so to speak, but really get out there. Really showcase what your company can offer. How your company is different from the the thousands of trucking um, companies that are out there and what you can provide. Um, the last thing I would say is really um, building a team. Entering into this industry is not a one-man show. There's no, one, no way that you can be successful running a true asset-based uh, uh, transportation companies such as myself with just one person, right? And so developing a team with the sound personnel, people that are seasoned, understanding where your weaknesses are and outsourcing your weaknesses. Hmm. I love that because that's something, yeah, I, I feel like I want to be taking notes during this interview, but I'm going to go back and re-listen to it just so I can take down all the notes that you're, you're, yeah. you're giving me right now. Now, what kind of... 
obviously technology is, is a big piece of the puzzle, I think, for Huge. a lot of different trucking companies, especially over the last few years. And, and it seems like every time a new piece of technology is introduced, it's almost like another expense for the little guys. And when I think it's something like 90% of all trucking fleets in the country have seven trucks or less, how can they keep up with the Joneses, I guess, of the technology world? Yeah, yeah. Um, well said. Um, and it's it's just the fact that's something that's an ongoing battle um, for us as uh, small business owners, small fleet owners. Um, what I, what I do at with at Integrity Transit Co is I definitely study the big the big guys, right? Your FedEx, your UPS, and so on and so forth. And I kind of take their model and fit that into what I can manage within my company, within my business. And so when you're speaking in regard to um, um, software and things of that nature, it's, it's, it's essential, right? And so you gotta kind of weigh the pros and the cons. I personally, I do use a premium software, but it's a one-stop shop, right? So I'm able to conduct all of my fleet management, my dispatching, my accounting, payroll from one software. Just understanding the value uh, of that uh, of that uh, software really will help you to, uh, and it really will set you apart uh, in the long run. Well, speaking of, of balancing, that, that that's a great tip with trying to find just sort of an all-in-one solution for now and then grow as your company grows into these other service offerings or, or technological offerings, I guess I should say. But as, as far as like finding the balance, you're out there in on social media, you're, you're marketing the hell out of your business, which is awesome to see. How are you managing your, your six different companies plus marketing plus the operations? How are you managing it all? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that, that sounds a lot like me. Just every day, we just try to be a little bit better than yesterday. <laughs> I, yep. Yep. Every day, I just try to do my best, you know, along with that. You know, I, I'm a mother of two, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And then I have an amazing husband that I have to be a wife for. Um, so really, um, no, all, all kidding aside, um, really staying organized. I have about four planners. Um, I, I work off of a calendar. And then I just um, delegate. I, I delegate, 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 utilizing um, outsource. Um, um, vendors is, 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 is really useful for me. Um, and then once you grow, this is not something that's going to come right away, you guys. This, this, this is something that happens over time. But once you grow, the goal is for you to start taking off some of those hats, right? And passing those roles on to others. Um, and so that's essentially um, how I manage it all, to be honest with you. Um, but just taking it day by day, as you know. As you well, know. you're doing a good job of it because yeah. I'd sit back and I'm like, how does she Thank do you. it? And you. <laughs> do you have a, a favorite piece of content that you've created? Because your social media is, is one of the best that I've seen in the industry. So I, I'm, I'm curious if you've had, you know, maybe yeah, a, a particular no part that's your favorite. Thank you. Thank you. I am humbled. I am honored. Thank you. Wow. Um, <laughs> well, you really do. I mean, they, they pat yourself on the back because you're handling all these I, other different things and you're a mom and you're a wife and it's it's really incredible to see. And then not only that, I mean, your, your social media is, is top notch too. That, that's how I, I, I found out about you. And ultimately I was like, I got to get her on the show. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, I, gosh, that's a hard one. My favorite piece of content, 
I would say bring an efficiency to your back office because that was a heavy one. It was content heavy. It was informative, but it really gave people a, a bird's eye view of what the daily operations are for a small fleet owner. And that's something that we need. There's nothing, I have not found anything out there that really showcased a bird's eye view of a, of a small fleet owner's daily operations. And bring an efficiency uh, to your back office uh, webinar, which is available on replay, um, really, really, really was a, a, a great, great, great webinar. We had some amazing questions at the end and we were able to just open up the floor for dialogue and really help the community to be successful as fleet owners. I love that. So you're doing it all and then you're sharing your, your expertise and your knowledge to help other people do it all as well. Uh, this has been a fantastic interview and, and where can people follow more of your work? What, what's, the, what's the next journey for, for you? What, what's going to be the next three companies that you're going to open? Gosh, oh my goodness. Wow. I mean, if I had to, tell, I mean, there's like 10 things I would ultimately love to do. But um, what's next on the forefront is really uh, getting into the e-commerce space, as well as uh, warehousing with utilize, utilizing my government contracting capabilities. Um, that's really what I've been um, working on um, within the last few months here. And hopefully we'll be tackling that by uh, Q4. Um, and then you guys can follow me on, um, on, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, Melanie, Patterson CEO, uh, Melanie Patterson underscore CEO on Instagram. Uh, Team Integrity Knowledge Center on Instagram. Website is www.teamintegritynowledgecenter.com. Make sure you guys join our Facebook group. We're really dialoguing and sharing some great resources and information to really help navigate this thing um, as a small fleet owner. Um, and so definitely follow us for sure. I am, I'm trend, I'm very transparent and very accessible. And I would love, 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 love to really build this community. I love hearing that. I, I'm going to go join it as soon as this show is over because I want to hear more of your advice and what you have to say because it's, this has been an incredible interview. So thank you again for your time, Melanie. We'll be sure to link to so all, most of your websites. <laughs> we got a character limit here. We can't limit it. We can't list all of them, but we're going to try our best to list as many of them as possible. So thank you again for your time. This is, this is really great. My insight. pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Till the next time. Absolutely. Bye -bye. Whew, what a great, great back-to-back -back women in business. Nicole Glenn, Melanie Patterson, sharing their insights on how they got started and where they continue to go in the future. We also touched on earlier in the show, in case you've missed any part of it, we, we touched on the privacy battles that, that's coming forth that Apple is bringing to the table and how marketers can combat this. But short story is if you're doing all the right things already in your marketing, then these privacy pushes won't necessarily affect you too much. But just keep creating out there that, that, that great content like Melanie's been creating, like, like Nicole's team has been creating, and it just pushes and it drives your business to the finish line and even to, to, to growth that you thought that you could never achieve. So until next week, we will be back with a fresh new episode next Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. But until then, my name is Blythe Brumley, owner of digitaldispatch.io. We just launched a soft launch, a brand new website this week. So go and check that out. Let me know what you think. But until then, drop us a line. Let us know what future topics you would like to hear on future episodes of Cyberly. And uh, hope, to guy, hope to see you all real soon. <laughs>